America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often, the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is Real America. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Senator Rick Scott from Florida. We're going to cover issues facing real Americans outside the bubble. From the economy to the border, from the massive socialist spending plans of the left, to how Republicans are going to win back the Senate in 2022. So, Senator Scott, thank you for coming on my podcast. Can I call you Rick? Yeah, you can call me Well, Rick. we're friends, yeah. right? I mean, I've known you for, for quite some time. I'm really well, you, actually excited for you to be And here. you won my race in 18. I, well, <laughs> I think you had a lot to do with that. I think you had a lot to do with that. But um, we have known yeah. each other a long yep. time, and I really am excited for you to be on, and we'll talk about a lot of the things that we're doing together. But And where's your mom live? My mom's in Florida. Yeah, yes, she's right. you know she's and, one of your voters. And half the people that grew up in Michigan. Have moved I know. To Florida. Ha- and my brother lives in Florida, so you're their spring, senator. Where, where do the Detroit Lions do their uh, Tigers do their uh, spring training? Oh, in Florida, yeah. and we love Florida. <laughs> I know. I'm, my husband's like, how do we move to Florida? Because it's you will. You know, we're under the People's Republic of. Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. It's pretty brutal. Uh, But I did want to introduce you a little bit to the audience, too. I know you well, but you have such an interesting story. And I think that's what's unique about Republicans. You didn't come into politics as somebody who ran and and planned that out. You were uh, in business first. But let's talk about your childhood a little bit. Your mom you were uh, grew, I thought, was a I sing- thought I had the meanest mom. Yeah, go mom. ahead. Go ahead. Tell me about your mom. <laughs> I, thought, I mean, I thought I had the meanest mom. She said, you're going to make straight A's. Okay. She says, you're going to you're gonna be an Eagle Scout. You're going to go to church all the time. I grew up in the Methodist church. And she said, get out of the house, make some money. You better never get fired. Really? <laughs> so she was tough. I never knew my dad. Oh, God, I thought my mom was so tough. Yeah, you never knew your dad, No, right? I never knew my dad. He was never involved. He never helped my mom. Um, but my mom remarried to... Um, Wonderful person uh, who he liked beer a lot. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> okay. Like a lot of Americans, right? Oh, gosh. He was, he was a fun guy. Um, had a sixth grade education, was a bus driver, and then uh, became a truck driver. So we moved from Illinois to Missouri because he got a job as a truck driver. Okay. Here's the, that's the positive part. He made more money. Truck drivers back then got laid off every Thanksgiving. Really? Why? So my, just because the department stores were full. They didn't need him. He was over the road truck driver. So opposite so he of now. Never, he never had. He never was working between like Thanksgiving. He never had a job on Christmas Day. He was never working between Thanksgiving generally until March. And did you know that? Did you feel that stress? Oh yeah, I watched my parents. They, I mean, they um, you know they didn't have much money, and then what they had, my dad was not the best at. Uh, my at mom keeping. couldn't make it. You know, uh, she couldn't and make then you were in stretched. you were in public housing. Oh yeah, we lived in public housing, and. Um, but, you know, I look, I had a wonderful mom. I, I'm very, you know, as I got older, I got very appreciative uh, of, you know, her hard work. I mean, think about it. Have five kids, have no money, and then push your kids that hard. I mean, it, you have to admire her. She's tough. And it says a lot about our country, too, yeah. right? Oh, no, that's, our, that's, that's this the American, you're the American story. This country is not full of a bunch, bunch of rich people. This country is full of hardworking people. They're figuring out how to make ends meet. Like my mom taking, you know, taking an ironing, ironing to whatever she made that day. We went to the grocery store. That's what goes on. 
Uh, that's like this inflation problem we have now is really devastating people like my mom. Because you get it. You, oh, and you I get, get it because you had a mom. No, I watched, and you I watched. understand when you have a set budget oh. and you only live on this much money a month and suddenly gas is 42% higher and suddenly groceries are right. 5% higher, bacon's 9% higher. Yeah, you, you, know, you can't, you didn't you can't afford dinner. that. You didn't you go out to dinner. You didn't go out to eat. You didn't, you know, you didn't waste money. I mean, that's America. That's that's how most Americans grow up. I mean, you watch you watch your money, and you say, if you think, here's what I think about it. Here's America. I want a job. I want I want my kids to get a great education because that's my future, right? And I want to live in a safe neighborhood. I don't have to have the biggest house. I just want to live in a safe place. That's all I really care. That's America. That's what people want. It is, and that's what we want. And we want our kids to do better than than we when, right. than we do, right? And the we want to give them that opportunity. Is their education. So exactly. give give the parents a choice of where their kids go to school because they'll make a better choice. I love that. So you you grew up in this home. You moved to Missouri. I did everything you would tell everybody. You would never tell your kids to do this. Okay. Okay. I I went to junior college. You know okay. why I went to junior college? Because junior college was $200 a semester and university was expensive. It was $255. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I joined the Navy at 18. I got married at 19. Right? I'm and making, you're still married I'm to still the same married. woman. So my wife married me for my money. I was making, <laughs> I think, about 156 bucks a month. Oh, really? She was I, a real gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we we would uh, – our, our um, she got a job as a legal secretary making 75 bucks a week. No way. Probably. Now, so, but, you know, we go, <laughs> we used to go to uh, like the laundromat, not to do our clothes there, but to see if somebody would leave their hangers. Oh my gosh. Really? Oh yeah. So we, our first six months, all we had was two sleeping bags to sleep on. We couldn't afford a mattress. That is amazing. I yeah. didn't know that. So, so you were, you were 19 when you got married. You know, Apple, uh, the Apple boxes are really yes. good and tables. I did not know this. <laughs> they oh really are. Goodness. They don't. Cr- they don't cave in after you know. After a little while, they do. That's you just crazy. put a towel over. Them I and never would have expected you to, <laughs> to be in that situation. Oh yeah. So you're in the navy. You get married. Then you go to college, right? Yeah. Then I finish. I finish. I I uh, I finished undergraduate, and then I went to law school because Perry Mason didn't look broke. Okay. So I didn't enjoy being a lawyer. I wanted. You I didn't. always wanted to be in business. So I did deals. I helped people buy companies and finance companies. And you, you opened a donut shop, right? Yeah. Or you so started I bought a, a donut, donut shop. Think about this. I'm making no money, and but I made money because every I could. They would let me sell things when we went out to sea. Okay. So I would buy things and sell them when we were out to sea and make a profit. Okay. So I bought a donut shop for seventy five hundred bucks so my mom could have a job. Oh, you, your mom worked there. I didn't. No, she ran that. the whole she thing. She ran the whole. I was thing. going to school full time, working full time. So your mom ran the donut shop. Oh, yep. And you're in it, school, and I'm in school, and I tr- we tripled the revenues the first month. My mom told me, "Do not sell any more donuts. Do not <laughs> sell any more donuts." <laughs> because you, you know, because because you know, she was just working. Her she couldn't do butt it. Off. Do you think you could have opened that same donut shop today with the current regulatory so environment? I don't know. That's you know, that's a good point. I don't think I had to get one permit. Really? Not one. And you just were able to open it. Yeah, we just opened it. Could I just, you imagine? We, you never just, could do that I, today. We paid the money. They we uh, we took over that night. <laughs> the seller stole all the flour, but other than that, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we had to, we had to go call another. Fran- it was a franchise. We had to call another franchisee uh, because the, uh, the the prior owner kind of hard to make donuts <laughs> without flour. <laughs> but my mom actually was really good. She had a really good product, and uh, she knew how to sell. And then, so my wife and I would, when we weren't working and going to school, we would go help her. And so my wife is actually really good at selling donuts. Is she really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people who are really good at eating donuts, so that works out. I love donuts. So then you, um, then you start a big, you, yeah. you take a big risk. Yeah, then I took a big risk. I quit. I quit practicing law. Um, I had saved one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. I hated uh, being a lawyer. I wanted to be in business, 
And so I said, I'm going to start a hospital company. And I, my first deal, I bought two hospitals for $61 million and borrowed 65 Wow. I, wow. I had a wife and two little girls. Did you have a lot of stress? But, That's a lot of stress. No, I had a wife that always, and we talk about this, she's always gone along with all my crazy ideas, like running for governor. She said, that's great. You want to run for governor? I just, I'm scared to death of public speaking. I said, oh, you'll never have to give a speech. Oh, that is a lie. <laughs> I never <laughs> asked her. You didn't know that was a lie, but no. I never asked her, but yeah. everybody else did. Everybody wants her to speak. And now, yeah. now she, she had a ball. She's great. Because I said, just when she was the first lady, I said, only do things you like. Yeah. So she, 20,000 kids got adopted. They were in foster care. Uh, she went to military bases all the, all the time. She created a literacy program, and she didn't do media. That's amazing. So she just had a ball. She just was able to serve. Yeah. yeah. So you bought this hospital company. You you moved to Florida, right? You end so up in Florida. I did. So so I built this hospital company. I went from me to nine years later, one out of every 400 people in America had a job work there. No. One out of every 400 people. Yeah. I, I had, had no idea. I had 300,000 employees. It was massive. When I was 40 years old. It was massive. Yeah. So. But you were in Texas. Then you go to Florida, So right? then, so I, so I started in Texas. Then I bought the largest hospital company out of Kentucky. So I moved there. Then I bought the largest hospital company out of Tennessee. I moved there. And then eventually I left that company and I started a bunch of manufacturing companies. I was, I actually had a company in your home state. Really? Yeah. Headquartered in Troy. No way. Yeah. That's right by where, yeah. that's where my husband So works. do you have a Corvette? No, okay. I don't have a Corvette. If you did, we made the outer body. Okay. Or if you had a Toyota Tacoma. I have a Ford Explorer. Ford Explorer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing as exciting as a Corvette, yeah. but I like Corvettes. Yeah. So we made a lot of parts. That's amazing. So you, then how did you, when did you eventually end up in Florida? So I, I always wanted to live on the beach okay. I enjoy, or close to the beach. So, so I finally, we finally moved there in 2003. So I decided, I looked at where Florida was because yeah. before I ran in 2010 for governor, the four prior years, Florida had lost 832,000 jobs. Uh, the um, home prices had dropped in half. There was a million, 1.1 million homes of foreclosure, almost a million people on unemployment. So I decided to run for governor. I find out the next week I'm supposed to live there seven years. It's my seventh year. Okay. I, I didn't realize that. Years. That was their requirement. Yeah. yeah, it's a requirement. I didn't know that either. No, <laughs> so I would never have known should that. Maybe I read some more of these regulations, <laughs> right? Um, so everybody had and continued to endorse my opponent. I was yeah. not the uh, I was not the. You were chosen. not the favorite. You were not the chosen. <laughs> no, the I was going to talk running. to you about that too because oh. I know when you ran for governor, you ran against someone who – Everybody else was endorsing. Everybody. All so, prior Republican presidents endorsed him. Prior every, governors, everybody every in the prior whole country. President. And I love that story. So what made you persist? What, how did you stay strong in a race where every odds maker, everybody's saying, okay, th this guy's going to win. He's going to be the nominee. I it's believed, a foregone conclusion. Always, I always believed I could win. My wife always believed I could win. I'm not sure anybody else did. Um, but the And we just worked hard every day. And uh, how did you win? What, what were so the, what were the steps that the it issues, took? The issues. So we ran an issues campaign. We it was time where the economy was bad, really bad in Florida, and I said I have seven steps to seven hundred thousand jobs over seven years, and they, all the economists said we couldn't get seven hundred thousand jobs in seven years. But if you ask me the weather, I have a seven 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 plan. It was before Herman Cain came up with his nine nine nine. nine, nine. Yeah. Uh, so. So, so that's what I talked about. So, in I, I shocked everybody. The polls said I would lose the primary by eleven. Okay. Okay, and I won by four and a half. That's amazing. That was a landslide for me. That's amazing. That <laughs> is a that is a landslide for you. That is a landslide. Can I ask you another question? Of mm -hmm. 
what would you say to a candidate? Because I do think this is a part of our culture, which is you get in races and everybody just assumes this person's going to win mm -hmm. and this is done. What would you say to somebody who does want to get involved and really believes in something and it looks like everything's stacked against him? What would your advice be? Well, to the that first person? thing I tell people, a lot of people call me. Yeah, I'm sure. They want to run now. Um, and I said, so if I, you know, say I'm talking to him for 10 minutes, I said, look, what are you running on? I said, you've been talking to me for 10 minutes. You have not told me a purpose. If you don't have a purpose, what are you doing this for? Exactly. The, it, you know, the public's going to know you don't have a purpose. Like my first commercial I ever did, the uh, the guy doing the commercial said, "If we ask you to say something that you don't believe, nobody will believe you." That's so true. And so, what I tell people is, don't do this unless you have a, unless you have a burning desire, and you've got to have something you're just hell bent on getting done. Then, you know, if you do, that's then that's a start. But then on top of that, you got to do everything. There's no Calvary that's going to save you. You've got to go build a team. You've got to go manage the team. You've got to get, go build grassroots. You've got to go raise the money. No one's just going to give you the money. I mean, I mean people, people think, and they think there's some party out here that's just going to do everything. Nope. No, you, you have, have to, to go do it. do it. And you have to believe in yourself. Yeah, and you got to get But it's not going to just be handed to you. Oh, I, remember, I remember the first Republican event I went to. Uh, well, the first two. The first one I went to was a, a quarterly meeting. They wouldn't let me speak. Really? But they didn't tell me that. I was there. I was on it. They kicked me off the off the agenda, and so finally they, they let me talk, but for two minutes. And so then, then the first um, like uh, morning um, deal I went to, nobody would even sit with me. Really, there was about a hundred people in this room. Nobody was sitting. It was just Ann and me. And you just pushing through, <laughs> and, just, and then you end up being governor. Yeah, and I and I, I when I won the primary, people were mad actually. Um, you know, because they'd all known the guy. The guy was running this yeah, was a good guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. And, and they'd known him forever, and so they were mad that I won. And so, but I just went and I talked to everybody. I, I shook hands in my ears as governor with 500,000 people. That's amazing. If you didn't but meet you me, love I think your it was state. I know you, that you love your state. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the best, during you know? your term as governor is when my family moved down there. This when my yeah. mom became a resident. My brother became a resident. You will eventually. Uh, eventually, <laughs> probably. But that you really did great things. Can we just talk about some of the signature things you did as governor? What are the things that you're most so proud of? Let's go back and think what people think about. First, their jobs. Okay, mm -hmm. I said we get seven hundred thousand jobs. We were we were the, you know the prior governor had raised taxes, raised fees, raised regulation. We got one point seven million jobs. Wow. So I Way recruited above. companies. Rick Perry was my um, competitor. Okay, um, in Texas. So I had met Rick. Uh, he was the sitting governor, but had not um, didn't know him well. So the first meeting I saw him at was a Republican Governors Association meeting. I says, Rick, I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to kick your butt. So Rick says, Well, I'll act like I'm worried because he wasn't because Florida wasn't a player. And so we just worked our butt off. We we recruited companies. We cut taxes. I cut twenty percent of the regulations. I cut tax and fees a hundred times. We got. Not not government. Government got smaller. We added uh, 1.7 million jobs. That is Unemployment remarkable. Unemployment went from uh, almost 11 to 3.3 percent. Okay. We actually we beat Texas many of those years in job growth, but not number of jobs. I actually beat him for a short period of time after he was not governor in number of jobs. Number number that's number one. Number two, education. K-12, it's all about school choice. So it we is. dramatically Talk about school, school choice. choice a little bit more. It's, it's because isn't it counterintuitive that Democrats always act like they're the party for education when they block school choice? Oh, yeah, they're not the party for education. I mean, think about it. They're telling people, oh, we, there's there's this nice failing school over here, and we want to force you to go there. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're doing. You have no choice. You yeah. have to go to this school. And right. your child, we know education is the gateway right. to success. Yeah. So, so for the public schools, I got rid of all the tenure. 
okay. my second wow. year in office. Because, you know, you don't, are you guaranteed your job? Nope. No. Right? For this sure. Is the, this is the closest because I got elected for a period of time, but I've, I've had all these, all these jobs. I could get fired any day, right? It's, it's actually a, an incentive to right. know that you could lose I'd your show job. Up. Because yeah, show up. Exactly. Right? And uh, so for K-12, uh, we dramatically increased the choice of parents choosing. I mean, we, we have a great program that if you're going to a failing school, we would pay you to go to private school. Really? But we dramatically expanded. Are you like- and we ranked the living daylights. Jeb started this. Jeb Bush did a good okay. job. We just ranked the living daylights out of these schools. And we highlighted success. I love I, – so I, I celebrate everything. For the universities, I changed it to where their, their money was tied. I, I put up $580 million of their budget a year. We had 11 universities. Tied to three things. Think about when you went to school. What's it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. Do I get a job? How much money do I make? That's phenomenal. So as a result, how now, many schools? Nobody does that. Now right, it's how do. long can I keep these so kids in Florida, school so I can milk them off? Of according their money. to U.S. News and Report, uh, for the since for my last two years of governance continued, we're number one higher education and University of Florida. Now, people don't realize is the fifth best public university in the country. You know, I do realize that because my brother's looking at it. He talks about the schools there all the yeah. time. For and his daughter, they're visiting the schools. Yeah, and it's hard to get in. It's uh, very hard yeah. to get in. And I stopped tuition increases. How did so, you do that? So so it was not easy. Um, so, you know, because they sold that, oh, gosh, you, you know, we got to raise the cost all the time. I said, I thought this was called public school, not for the rich. It's supposed to be for the people that don't have money. And so, so it was through boards. So I appointed the board members. And here's if, if um, I had 3,000 appointments to boards and commissions. And I actually interviewed the people. And so I said, Are, if you, I said, do you believe in tuition increases? And if they said yes, I didn't appoint you. That if you so believed in giving long-term contracts to uh, the presidents, I wouldn't appoint you. It's real simple. I mean, and they said, well, I don't think that's right. I said, then you should run for governor. I said, you, there's, there's going to be an opening. You can run for governor. And it's because I actually ran on this. I believe in this. And so I get to do it. And so, so we did that. So we it just put, you know, put a lot of you know, pressure on everybody. The other thing is if you go to higher education now, people aren't getting out in four years. No. They're there forever. And they so, just yeah. languish. But the, what, it's not even set up for them to get out in four mm-hmm. years. right? Mm-hmm. It's unfair. And it isn't job-based. It isn't right. based on – Oh, yeah. I'm this this student is coming to our school to get a job to make this income. I love those three steps. I, I, I told this it's, one. It doesn't seem revolutionary, but it really actually it's was. Pretty basic, it seems right? pretty simple. So why are why are we there? Okay. Yeah. So I remember talking to this one university president that told me this was so unfair. I said, "So do you realize your class president that's on your board can't get a job?" No idea. They had no, no idea. idea. They can't so, get a job. So, so we, we took the number of people on unemployment from a little less than a million to when I left 61,000 people on unemployment out of 22 million people. That's unbelievable. Okay, let me tell you a number that should to make you mad. So I run that program, and what we did is we, one, tried to help everybody get a job, right? Common sense. Number two, they'll give you another number, 71,000 people on welfare by the time I got off because we went and solved their problems. In contrast, guess what happened to Medicaid and food stamps? They doubled under because Barack Obama was president for my first six years. Why? Because I have no control over those programs. Now, mm. with with Medicaid, I have to pay a portion of it, but I have no control over it. Now, I could control the cost per person, okay, and I did that uh, to make it more accountable. But as far as – I mean he was tr- doing everything he could to get more people on the government program just like Biden's doing. Yeah, you just articulated how, the difference between our parties right there, right? How is – yeah. How, how is that good – 
good for somebody. Like my mom, we lived in public housing. When she, she said, I never, other than living in public housing, we never were on a government program. She never was on welfare, right? And, and she lost her job because, you know, she worked like in restaurants and restaurants would do badly. And your stepdad has said yeah. every... Oh, he was he was laid off every... every but the difference every, is we understand the value of work and not just... It's good for you. And, and it's <laughs> so important to have that, but also what that means for the next generation right. because it is cyclical. And so Democrats do have a do have a vested interest in having everybody paid for the government. They take everybody's money, they redistribute it. Right. And then if you are in control or you need the government payroll... You're going to vote for them every single time. Yeah. Now think about it. Do you think the Democrats in their own personal life are doing the same things they're trying to do to no. all the rest of us? No, no they're, they're not. Do you think they're out there telling their kids, yeah, you, I want to, I'm going to pay for you the rest of your life? No. No. Now they want to take your money and pay for all these people, right? It's so crazy. It's, it, and it's not good for them. It's not good. So it's not I was, good for our country. So you know what I liked? Uh, so we did really well in jobs. We did really well in education. And by the way, we put a lot of effort into law enforcement. We are 40, When I got out of office, we're at a 47-year low in our primary. That's amazing. Yeah. And then you, you're term limited. Oh, yeah. And you decide to run for Senate. And yeah. this is where you and I really met. Yeah. And you had one of the tightest Senate races in the yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, oh, I only had to win three times. You only had to win three times. I'm so glad you're a senator. But I do think that you have a unique perspective on an issue that is so pervasive right now in our party that people are so concerned about, which is election integrity. Oh, yeah. And you came up against some really bad county supervisors in Broward yeah. and Palm Beach. As a candidate, talk about how important election integrity is Absolutely. and administering elections and what it meant in your race. First off, in, in, um, in 2010 and 2014, the RNC had did nothing to help me win, okay? I wasn't there then, by the I way. Know. <laughs> I know. They did nothing. When you came in, okay, one thing you did is say, how can we work together? And yep. you did it from the time you got in there. So in, in 2018, you basically helped us build all of our grassroots. Um, and so and if we didn't have that grassroots, we couldn't have won the, our election or the recount, right? So here's what happened. We won by, I think, like 54, 57,000 yeah. uh, votes election night, and then – the Democrats sent down Mark Elias, who's the uh, the lawyer that comes down and, and steals Tries the election steal elections. Yeah. Yep. And he said publicly he was going to win the election. He didn't care what the votes were. We went through – we had, I think, almost 1,000 uh, lawyers, and we had over 7,000 volunteers. We had to fight for three weeks every day. We had lawsuits all over the state. We were They were doing – so, you know, you guys, and then there's a young lady, uh, Jessica Johnson, uh, who was the uh, – General counsel, outside general counsel, I think, at the uh, NRSC and our team, we worked together and we won. And so they found 95,000 ballots illegally after election night, and they tried to count them all. It was and crazy. And you know what? They, those votes weren't for me. Shocking. No, shocking. All of them weren't for you. I mean, I actually sat in the recount in Broward. I actually yeah. flew down, and we had our staff sitting at the recount table, hand going through those those ballots. It really does show the importance of these laws that are being passed by Republicans it, that Democrats laws, are pushing it, against. And Ron, it's getting the right laws and then electing the right people. Mm -hmm. You got to elect the right people to be supervised for election. People, if you here's what I think is going to happen. I think I think watching what's happened um, in the last two years, I think we're going to have a complete change of school boards yep. and supervised for elections because exactly. what people have seen those elections matter. Yeah. It's not just about being a poll watcher anymore. Right. Go be a county clerk. Right. Go be an election supervisor because they do have a lot of control right. on the administration of the election. And I think your race 
was one of the first when I saw that obviously 2020, there were lots of issues and in your race though, we saw it. We saw your mm -hmm. lead just keep diminishing. They knew that we were in the courts and they knew they had time and we finally brought it to an end. Yeah. And now we have you as a senator, which I'm so excited because in your second in. year, <laughs> you're taking over the head of the yeah. National Republican Senatorial yeah. Committee. And for anybody who doesn't know, explain what your role is as the head of the NRSC. So it's, it's real simple. We got to get a majority. It's real simple. <laughs> it's, it's real simple. We just have to get one. We have to keep our 20 and pick up one. We're going to do better than that, I believe. But it's, it's we, you know, people can give money in different ways. Uh, to help senators win, uh, one is is through the National Republican Senatorial Committee. We can help people uh, run their campaigns. We can help them raise money. We can help define their opponent. And so, and so we've we've done really well. We have a great team. And the other thing we've done, build a really good relationship between our teams, our team and the RNC and the NRCC, because I mean we all have a different role. If you do your job well, like what you're doing right now in Florida uh, with uh, getting a re um, majority Republican uh, on voter registration, voter registration and then helping build grassroots, if, if you do all that and help with election security, right? The other thing we didn't we, – we've not talked about is also what the RNC and the NRSC is doing. Also, we're defending lawsuits in um, what Georgia, Florida, Iowa um, – we're going into Texas and, yep. pro and probably North Carolina because we're going to. We're, we're gonna, a team. Yeah, we're working hard together. Because yeah, in our team, so so uh, we're we're getting to do that, and um, and so this is how we're going to get a majority back. And then NRCC, if they do their job, they help get the vote out because they're all across the state getting votes out. We're we're so. Our teams are working so well together. I do love working with you. I know how hard you work. It actually like motivates me because I, I think you're competitive. I'm a little competitive too. Um, <laughs> I like to win. I know. I know you like to win. That's and my I wife. know like I call somebody and they're like, oh, Rick Scott was just here. I'm like, crap, he beat me. Um, but you're so good at it. And But I tell people they should support you. Yeah, also. exactly. We're, I mean, there's they, no yeah, because, we're all working for the same do, we do, You know, there's limits and we do different things. Yeah, and we're a team. But it's one seat to take mm -hmm. back the Senate, one seat to stop Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden from pushing this All the nightmare agenda. Everything would be over. Right. Just one seat. No. So where are the seats? Give me the map. Where are the seats that— So we so we have 20 up um, Republican seats up, and they have 14. That doesn't sound very good, right? Yeah. But of our 20 up, we've got some openings. But Alabama's Richard Shelby's retired. It's a Republican state. Um, uh, Missouri's Republican state. Ohio's a Republican state. The hardest probably of, of the ones that are open is probably uh, Pennsylvania and North Carolina uh, yeah. of those. But if you look, if you look Pennsylvania down ticket, it's Republican. If you look at uh, North Carolina, we win there. We had huge wins in North Carolina the in 2020. That will probably be the hardest was Wisconsin. Um, so Ron Johnson has announced if he's going to run or not. But we also have four pickup opportunities. New Hampshire, we're going to win. Um, Georgia, we should win. Uh, I believe we'll win there. I believe we'll win in Arizona. And I believe we'll win in Nevada. I think we have a shot at winning uh, in some other states. Like we've got a wonderful candidate, uh, if you haven't met her, Tiff, uh, Tiffany Smiley. Smiley in Washington. Uh, in Washington. And, and, you know, the Democrat candidates are not well thought of. Mm -mm. I mean, it's just Democrat states. And if you look – if you do – we do a lot of polls that we put out uh, that you can go on our website, nrsc.org, to see. But just a generic ballot saying, would I vote for Republican or Democrat? We're way ahead now. Yeah. We're way ahead where we were also in 2009. And 2010 was a good year. Yes. So we should do really well. Plus, all your efforts on, on the grassroots has put us in a better position. And the Biden administration's a nightmare. I mean, it really is. It's I mean, a obviously, you're ahead of you're ahead of getting this election and, and winning back the Senate. 
But what you're seeing as a senator right now, how upsetting is it to watch this reconciliation and Every what day. they're trying to push through? I mean, it's not just the cost, the content of what they're trying to push. They want us is all to truly become, frightening. They want it's, us to become it's socialists. A social, it's, it's a systemic socialism. That's all it is. They, I mean, they they want everybody to be dependent on government so they can control your life. Um, I, I always tell everybody, I love my mom. I hate her. To, I hate her. Tell me what to do. That's how I think about government. Okay, <laughs> exactly. I can. I love this country. I do not need the government tell me what to do or how to live my life or think I, they know I better. Make, I can make good choices. Okay? Agency is a big part of our country, and we're country. all going to make different choices, mm-hmm. right? And so, but what they're you know, it's it, they're bankrupting the country with money. You look at the amount of money they're spending, and the um, you know their their reconciliation will take our debt to forty five trillion dollars. That is astronomical. How do you ever pay this off? Mm-hmm. And so it's caused significant inflation. So if you take a family like mine growing up, look at what's happened to them on inflation. Look at when they have to drive to work, what's happened to gas prices. Or when they go to the grocery store and they have limited dollars and they see their groceries go up like they have. Or if they, they finally are in the position to buy a home and their home is just skyrocketed in price. Or they got they have to have a car. And, and me, I think used car prices are up 45%. Yep. yep. I mean, this. I mean, it's great if you own stuff. If you're rich, I mean, the Democrats are great for if you're rich, right now. I mean, they're causing all the assets to go up, but they're they're killing the poor people. Anybody living living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, it's your, your dollar is is not the, going as far. And then look at look at the debacle in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I just I mean, it's a debacle. So you're motivated even more because you're in the Senate oh, living it. You see it every day. And you're like, I want to get that majority back we've, we've, so bad. We've got to stop this bad stuff. And here's my other belief is that this will put us in the position that we'll have a Republican uh, president in 24. It will. Because, because if we're going to sh- – we can show Americans how Republicans govern based on the bills that we pass or the things we stop. And then that will that – will, you know, get us in the position that we can win in 24. Plus all the grassroots, all these, all the excitement, all that is going to make us have a great 22 and 24. So what would you say to someone right now who's discouraged? They're discouraged seeing Afghanistan. They're discouraged about the border. They're discouraged about gas prices. And they think it's over. The Democrats are ruining our country and we're not going to turn it around. What would you say to somebody heading into 2022? How can they engage and make a difference? Well, first off, being engaged is forcing the Democrats to change. There, there's a lot of infighting now. Uh, the, pro, the progressives are fighting again against I know, I love the so-called it. martyrs. It's yeah. a great thing. Well, they deserve it. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy what they're doing. Yeah. And it's not good. So what there's the Democrats are seeing why reconciliation hasn't happened so far, why the infrastructure bill hasn't happened, because they've gone home and they've talked to people and people are mad at them. They're mad at people that are supporting that stuff. And so that's – so you've got, you've got to be vocal. I mean let your congressman, let your senator know exactly what you think. It's representative government. Be vocal. I tell people, I represent you. You need to be very vocal. And do you hear those calls? So when people oh, are yeah. calling your office, do you get a report? How yeah, do you – I, re- I get a report. I've got, I've got a great team. I've got nine people – or nine offices in Florida. And so our job is mostly to do uh, constituent services uh, where – if you have a problem with the VA or if you have a problem with you know any federal agency, we help you. Uh, but also we get a lot of incoming calls. You know, some of it, it's just organized. It's robocalls and stuff like that. But you can tell the organic stuff. And so, yeah, I, I listen. And everybody we – to, we try to solve everybody's problem. Right? And so you say call your congressman oh, and yeah. senator. Let them know. Every day. Every Just day. Just be vocal. Every day. And show up. You know, and then and then get involved. However you feel comfortable. You might feel comfortable just making phone calls for somebody. 
You might feel comfortable, you know, knocking on doors. You might feel comfortable raising money, giving money, running for office, running, helping work in their campaign, be their campaign manager. But getting this is your country. Exactly. I mean, if a guy like me can go from public housing, I used to joke, I went from public housing back to public housing when I was the governor. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a little bit better public housing. Yeah, a little bit better. Uh, a little but, different. But it, it's, anybody can do this. It, it really is the person with the best idea. Is it easy? No. But the person with the best idea can win. Right? So if you if you have the best ideas, you can raise money, you can get volunteers, you can people will come work with you. So go run. Go run. And the thing is, is the American dream is on the line right now. That your story, your story, if the Democrats get their way, will not be possible. Yeah, you know, you're not how's a kid like me ever gonna get started? I mean, so I mean, if you look at the regulatory environment now and the fees and the taxes, so if you're poor how do you ever get a start a business? How do you now? ever get? Anywhere? I mean, this is crazy. What 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 we've done? And we've done it at the federal level, the state level, and the local level. This has got to stop. We've got to stop and say, I trust you. You know, you'll make a good decision. I don't need so I I don't need like I don't need people telling me that that they can make a better decision for me. I'll you know and especially I'll, not the government. Yeah, I'll make my own I'll make my own choices and I'll learn from them. I might disagree with you. My mom probably could make better decisions than me, but the government for sure. <laughs> Not. I just uh, love having you here. I could talk to you all day. I just want to brag on you a little bit as a person. Uh, you're just such a kind person. You're somebody who says thank you. You're so humble. You're exactly what we want in our public servants. Nice. Somebody who brought great business experience and acumen and chose to put that into public service. We need more people like you in office. So I'm appreciative of you. You're, you I'm always very appreciative said, of what you do. I'm very appreciative of you, but I hope people know that about you yeah. because uh, not everybody's like you, and I've been yeah. around politics a long time. You are a little bit of a rare breed, so thank you for joining me well, on my podcast. Why won't you be really successful? Because what you do – you know what you do is going to change this country. Thank you. Okay, and I'm I'm very appreciative that you're willing to you know think about it. you. You know you're traveling all over the place. Yep, yep. <laughs> right? well, I think okay. we're putting a lot kids. of miles on. Yep, yeah. yeah. So, Between the two of us, we're traveling the whole country. But it's yeah. important, and what we're doing is important. And there's great people. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love meeting everybody. But I love I love I'm so glad that I got to meet you in this job. You're one of my favorite people that I've I've nice. gotten to meet. So thank you for joining me on my podcast, and let's go win in 2020. We're going to win. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Rhonda McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.gop.com.